I've been uh, talking about some fundamental foundational things on discipleship as we're going on in this series that will last nobody knows how long. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm still laying some foundational things. We talked about the uh, concept of dying to self, which is so foundational. And that will be woven in uh, this throughout this series. But this morning I want to uh, take a kind of a new turn and lay another piece of the uh, foundation that is absolutely crucial. I want to talk about synergy. In fact, the title of the sermon is Synergy. I normally don't have a title, but this one's called Synergy. The word synergy comes from the prefix syn, S-Y-N, if you can put that up on the screen, S-Y-N, there you go, which means together, alongside of, or with. Combined with the word ergy, which is a shortened form of energy. So synergy means energy alongside of, or energy with, cooperating energy. It comes from the Greek word synergos, which means synergy. <laughs> Soon means with, and ergos is that word for energy. Uh, whenever you see that, it's translated as work or whatever. But yeah, I, I appreciate a context where we can have an exhausting aerobic worship service uh, with a lot of emotion, and now we're studying Greek. That's how it ought to be. That's the balance. Right, you hit the emotions, now we're hitting the head. So uh, get ready to do some thinking here. We're going we're gonna to learn some Greek. Uh, here's why synergy is an important concept. Uh, when we're talking about Christian discipleship, it's a cooperative effort between us and God. And that synergistic relationship that we have with God, uh, that energy alongside of thing that we have with God, it, it historically has been very hard to maintain. The balance seems to get imbalanced very quickly. On the one hand, you have people who emphasize uh, the human responsibility in terms of discipleship, growing in God, becoming sanctified, you know, looking more Christ-like. They, they really got the human part down, and they emphasize that so much that God becomes sort of functionally irrelevant. And these are folks who will rely on all sorts of rules and different shame tactics to try to motivate people to change their behavior. And what you really get is the sort of legalistic self-help pop psychology Christianized thing where it's all about a human thing and God really isn't in the picture at all. That's imbalance. But there's another extreme that people often go to, and that is that they so emphasize what God does uh, that, that uh, in fact, something that God just does everything. So you have people who just, who become passive in their spirituality, and they're just waiting around for God to do what God wants them to do. You see, it's, it's all about, you know, God, and, and, and there's no intentionality, no effort, no energy at all. The Bible, I submit to you, has this balanced perspective. There is a role that God does and a role that we do, and it's important to understand this. It's synergy. It's about synergy. Uh, the passage that I think brings out the uh, balance most beautifully is Philippians chapter 2. So I want to read from that. Philippians chapter 2, where Paul says this. My beloved, and you'll see the word energy in this passage three times, and note how it's used. I'll call your attention to it. Just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my absence, but much more now, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence. He says, work out your salvation. Katergazomai. See the E-R-G-A uh, in the middle of that word? Erga? That's the word for energy. And so, and so in, in Greek, what he's saying is, uh, energize outward. Kata orge. Energize outward your salvation. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Okay, but that's something you do. Here's your energy. You work out your salvation uh, with fear and trembling. For, and here's why you can work out your salvation, for it is God who is at work in ergeo. That's the word for energy. It's God who's energizing you. And when he energizes you, he enables or empowers you both to will and to work. There's energeo. There's the word energy again. You have energy now. 
uh, to do his good pleasure. You see, here's, here's the Christian walk. Um, God, there's a role that you do and a role that God does. Uh, you have a job, an energy to put forward, an intentionality, work. Christian life is, is work. It's supposed to be work. There's always stuff to work on, namely ourselves. There's work to be done. And according to Paul, we're supposed to have the intentionality of an Olympic athlete as we work on uh, uh, manifesting our salvation. But the only reason we can do that is because God is at work in our work. You energize because God is energizing you to energize. God energizes our energy. You getting this concept? It's synergy. It's a fusion of what God does and what we do. The concept is found throughout the Bible. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, for example, Paul says that we, the bride of Christ, uh, the church, we are God's fellow workers. The word fellow workers there is synergos. Soon with erge, energy. We are, we, we are God's fellow energizers. We take our energy, our intentionality, our will, and we fuse it with God's, and now we've got a synergistic relationship. We work with God to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. So also in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, as we, as we work together with God, sunergeo, synergy, as we synergize with God, as we fuse our will and our energy with God, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. You accept the grace of God in vain when you're not in a synergistic relationship with God. And see, here's why this is so important. It really goes to the reason why God created the world in the first place. God created human beings not to be independent, not to be doing their own thing, not to be lord of their own life, but he also didn't create human beings to be robots who are just, you know, kind of automatons carrying out his will. He created human beings to be persons who have volition, who have a mind, who have a will, who have a work. And the goal is to line up what we do with what God does. And when we do that, we have a synergistic relationship that sees God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Paul said that the goal of the church, which was really the goal of humanity all along, uh, is to, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it's for us to reign, human beings to reign with Christ upon the earth. He's the Lord of the whole cosmos. He's the Lord over the earth. But he wants to be Lord not just unilaterally on his own. He wants to do it through us. He's a social God and always uses mediators. So he wants, to carry, he wants us to carry out his lordship upon the earth. How do we do that? We work in accordance with his work. We are energized by his energy. There's a synergistic relationship. And all growth in the Christian life and all that we do is done out of this synergistic relationship with God. What he does, what we, working with what we do. Okay, I want to break it down even further because I really want us to get, us, get, get this. Uh, Philippians 2 talks about what God does and what we do. I want to uh, talk about those two things. Here's what God does. Paul says in Philippians 2, God is at work, energeo, in you. God is energizing you, enabling or empowering you both to will, two things here, to will and to work for, or work according to, or to accomplish his good pleasure. It's God, here's what God does. He energizes us, empowers us to will, first of all, to will his good pleasure. If, if God was not energizing us, we could not will his good pleasure. Now it doesn't say 
God causes us to will his good pleasure. God forces us to will his good pleasure. There are some folks who believe that God sort of picks and chooses human beings throughout the world and says, you're going to love me, 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 and and the people can't say no to it. God just changes their will, which raises the question, if God can do that, why does he do it with everybody? Because he's not willing that any should perish. Uh, And that raises the whole question about why does God predestine some people to go to hell? And eh, I don't want to deal with that one. What the verse says is not that God causes us to, 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 uh, will his, to will his good pleasure, but he empowers us to will his good pleasure. You can suppress that, but you can't do it on your own. What it means is this, and it's a very important point. We could not even want to do God's good pleasure if it was not for his power, his grace working in our life. Amen? Being a Christian isn't a matter of being a little smarter than other people or a little more righteous than other people or a little better and a little more advantaged than other people. Nothing of the sort. What it is, without the grace of God working in your life, you wouldn't have a chance. Uh, It means this, and and the the minute you get this, it abolishes any sense, any semblance, every ounce of self-righteousness. If God's grace hadn't been working in your life, you would not want to do God's will. The only reason you want to do God's will, if you want to do God's will, is because God's grace has been working in your life. If you care at all about God, that's because God's grace is working in your life. If you've got an affection for Jesus Christ, it's because of God's grace working in your life. Amen? If you care about the Bible, that's because of God's grace. If you worry about hell and, and long for heaven, that, that, that's the grace of God working in your life. If you've got any concern about sin, that's the grace of God working in your life. The reason why you're here this morning, if, unless your spouse dragged you here against your will, you're here because you're interested in something about the kingdom, and that's the grace of God working in your life. Everything we have for God is the result of grace. It's not because you're so smart, because you're so cute, because you're so pretty, because you're advantage. It's the grace of God. From the beginning to the middle of the end, it's the grace of God. Praise God for his grace. We would apart, subtract God's grace out of my life and I'm damned. I am gone. I am fried. I, 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 I don't care about God and I'm just happy being a pagan. But see, God out of his outrageous love, his beautiful, unending, passionate love, empowers us, enables us, draws us to have this affection for Jesus Christ. It's about the grace of God, which is why uh, Paul says in Romans 3 that there's none, in and of ourselves, there's none that is righteous. There's none that seeks to do good, but God's grace has made the difference. It's all to the glory of God. First thing God does is he empowers you to will to do his good pleasure. He empowers you to, to uh, uh, long to live for God. But not only that, number two, look at this one. This is, this is where it gets interesting. According to Paul, not me, according to Paul, He not only enables you to will to do God's good pleasure, but he empowers you to do God's good pleasure, to work in accordance with God's good pleasure, to accomplish God's will. Now, you can do that on your own, but you can't even want to do it on your own. But with God, you not only want to do it, but you can do it. You aren't able on your own, but God is able. God is able, I I, I believe, to carry out his own will, don't you think? And now God is at work in you, which means that you are able. If we get this truth down, what it means is this. The words, I can't, when it comes to doing God's will, should not be in our vocabulary. Amen? The words, I can't. Now, you can on your own, but with God, you can. In fact, Paul said this, that uh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through God who strengthens me. Apart from him, I can't do anything. I can't even want to do anything. But with God, I can do everything. All things through him who strengthens me. The words I can't when it comes to doing God's will should not be in our, in, uh, in our vocabulary. People sometimes say things like this. Uh, you know, I, I just can't love him. I just can't. I just can't. I hate him. I hate him. I can't fight it in myself to love him. 
You, you probably can't on your own, but you're not on your own. The God of the universe is working in you, and with him all things are possible. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All, everybody say all things. all things. Is loving your enemy part of all things? You can love your enemy through God who strengthens you. Well, I, I just can't get out of this, my, my materialism. It's just got a grip on me. I just can't do it. I'm just going to have to wait, wait for God to do it. No, God is already at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. You can do it on your own, but you're not on your own. The God of the universe is working through you. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. Well, I just can't sleep, stop sleeping around. I can't stop this addiction. I can't do this and I can't do that. No, you can't do it on your own, but you're not on your own because the God of the universe is inside of you and with him you can do all things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. We, we got we, we to understand we're talking about God. God. Supreme being. God. Capital G, God. The God who, who right this very moment is holding every molecule in my body and on the stage and throughout the universe, he's holding it in existence. The God who spoke everything into existence. This God, this God, the Bible says, this isn't my idea, the Bible says, he is energizing me. He is at work in me. And, and therefore, what he can do, he is able and he enables me to do what he is able to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We've got we've to get it down where we stop sizing up our issues in terms of our inability and start sizing them up according to God's ability. Amen? And God is able. You can do all things. The words I can't are gone. That's what God does. He, he, God is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Now, what's your role in this whole thing? Here's the synergy. That's God's role. Your role, Paul says, is to work out your salvation. Here's what we do. We work out our salvation. What does that mean? Well, for the price of admission, I'll now tell you, which is free. When Paul says salvation here, you got to know that he's not thinking of salvation from hell, at least not primarily thinking salvation from hell. We modern people who always want to get the most for our money with the least amount of cost, uh, we tend to reduce salvation down to fire insurance. The Bible has no concept of that. I mean, yes, there's, there's, you, you get free from hell. That's good. But salvation is so, 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 so much richer than that. When, 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 when Paul thinks about salvation, it's not so much what you're saved from. It's rather what you're saved for. And what you're saved for is the life of God. You know, when, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you are now given his life. You are given eternal life. You are giving full life. You're given joyful life. You're giving more than conquering life. You are now living life as God intended it to be lived. Uh, you know, that's what salvation is all about. The Greek word soteria, and it's a, really, it's, a, it's a holistic concept. It involves everything that pertains to our relationship with God. So when Paul says work out your salvation, what he's saying is work out your wholeness. Work out your your abundant life. Work out your joy. Work out your power. Work out your authority. Work out the fact that you're a child of God. Note also, he doesn't say work at it. He says work out it. He doesn't say work in it. It's not like, oh, I got to try hard to to be more and more saved. You get people out there who are trying to get saveder and saveder, and it just doesn't work. You you don't work at getting saved. You don't get work at. Christianity is not kind of some self-help thing where you're trying to get more and more holy, more and more righteous, more and more this, more and more that, more and more whole or whatever. Rather, 
You have it. You're given it the minute you put your trust in Christ, the whole package. In fact, Ephesians 1 says that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. When, 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 when God saves you, he, he really does save you. He gives you the whole thing up front. You've got it in you. You've got the power of God, the spirit of God himself, Jesus Christ himself residing in you. That's there. Now Paul is saying, work it out. Work it out. Energize it outwardly. That's what he's saying here. And do it with intentionality. The, the, the picture I get is something like this. Here, here's an analogy. Uh, I'm told that, that uh, Michelangelo, when he would go to do a, a sculpture, he would look at a rock. Like, like his, you ever seen his uh, statue of David, the guy with the real long arms, you know, the naked guy? Uh, it, it, well, it's, it's one of his famous uh, uh, pieces. And what he did is he would look at a rock. I'm told that this is how uh, sculptors usually do it. You look at a rock, and the rock, if you look at it with the right eyes, the rock will tell you what's in it. All right? And, and in, in Michelangelo's terms, he said he was, he was kind of like uh, trying to sense what is the essence of the rock and the essence of the rock, or the form of the rock in his Neoplatonic ontology that he was working with. The essence of the rock was the David inside of it. His job wasn't to make a David out of the rock, his job in his mind was to free David from the rock. David is already there. Now he's just got to chisel away all the non-David parts of that that rock, you see. He was getting David out of the rock. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here in so many words. Work out your salvation. You don't work at your salvation. You don't try to work in your salvation. You, You already have it there. The wholeness is there. The power of God is there. Now it's just a matter of now working it out. And the way you work it out is by chiseling away everything that's inconsistent with it. That's our job. Now we could never want to do that without God. We'd never be able to do it without God, but we're not on our own. God's with us and we're able to do it. And we're responsible to do it. What discipleship is about is simply chiseling away all the parts of you that are rocky in order to bring that David out, to free the David, that beautiful David inside of this rock. You look at me right now, and I'm a little rocky. I, I, I admit it. I, I got rough edges. I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit rocky, but, but, but you should see what's on the inside of this thing, all right? And I'm chiseling. Yeah, you see, there he is inside of me. Inside, yeah, you look at a rock here. This is rocky, but, but uh, inside there is a Greg Boyd that is, that is just nothing but saved. There's a Greg Boyd. There's a Greg Boyd who's so full of love. There's a Greg Boyd who's so full of peace. There's a Greg Boyd who's more than a conqueror. There's a Greg Boyd who's perfectly conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. There's the Greg Boyd that is just radiating the beauty of Jesus Christ. There's a Greg Boyd who only walks in the Spirit and manifests all the fruit of the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of rocky junk all around it. I, I grant that. But inside of that, if you've got the eyes of a Michelangelo or of a Jesus Christ or just the eyes of faith that believe the Word of God, you can see that inside of me, and it's coming out. It's coming out just a matter of time. My job is to chisel the stuff away. I'm going to chisel away that area of my life that just hides the true me. I'm going to chisel away the apathy because I want to manifest passion. I'm going to chisel away the anger because I want to manifest love. I'm going to chisel away the bitterness because I want to manifest the forgiveness that I have in Christ Jesus. I want to chisel away unbelief because I'm going to manifest faith. I'm going to chisel away that victim mindset that I got because I want to manifest the fact that in Christ I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let the David out. Let the David out. Chisel it away. Chisel away that carnality. Chisel away that I can't do it kind of belief system. Chisel away the bondage that is there. Just chisel, chisel, chisel. You're not getting more and more saved. You're just letting the salvation out. Work out your salvation. You couldn't do it on your own. No, don't do it on your own. You can't. You can't even want to do it on your own. But you're not on your own. The God of this universe is working in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Chisel away. See, what this confronts is this. 
It confronts this widespread, especially in America, this widespread American mindset that um, really just wants to wait on God to do it. You know, let go and let God and, and, and believe and receive, and, and there's no work involved. We don't want to work unless we have to. And so there's this sort of, uh, you know, I, 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 we just want God to do it all. But see, God's in, already at work in us for us to do it with him. He doesn't want to just do it alone. I talked to a, a couple some time ago who was just waiting on God to heal their marriage. Oh, we're just waiting on God to heal our marriage. In the meantime, he's, he's going out and ticking his wife off by boozing up with the buddies four nights a week, and, and she's holding on to unforgiveness from something that happened five years ago, and they're just stuck there, but they're waiting on God to heal the marriage. And what I told him is, folks, you're going to be waiting a real long time, I hope, you know, because what, what you got to know is God is already at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. God is already energizing you to bring something beautiful out of this very rocky marriage the question is this, how are you chiseling? Are you, what action steps are you taking to bring this to pass? You have a role to play in this. One person I knew some time ago had a terrible gambling addiction, couldn't control that thing for his life, was destroying him, destroying his family. But he was waiting on God to take it from him. Oh, yeah. In God's timing, God will take it from me. The time, I'm like, dude, the timing was about two years ago when you first started going to bankruptcy. Uh, uh, but he, he's waiting on God. He even prays, God, take this from me. All the way up to the casino, he'll be praying, God, take this, take this from me. I, I don't doubt when he's trying to roll the lucky dice, he's saying, oh, God, help me win and then take it from me. You know? uh, but see, here's the truth. If this isn't true, the Bible's lying. God is already at work in him, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And I doubt that going into bankruptcy through gambling is part of God's good pleasure. Okay, God's at work in him, both to will and to do his good pleasure. The question is this. What are, what are you doing to cooperate with God, to work with God, to bring this to pass? See, there's a, there's a genuine role that we play. It is really dysfunctional. There is a time and a place to wait on God. I got that one down. But we, we, we abuse that when we take stuff that God has already told us uh, he, he wants us, you know, to move towards or move away from, and we wait on him to do it for us. It doesn't work that way. I'm waiting on God to just, you know, take away my desire to, to be sleeping around, or I'm waiting on God to, to, to just make, you know, convict me and make me want to pray more. I'm waiting on God to, you know, heal this relationship or, or do this, that, or the other thing. You know, what are you waiting for? He's already at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. The ball is now in your court. And so the question is, is God's waiting on you. What are you going to do to start chiseling away and bring that David out of that rock that you got going on there? You see, there's a role that God plays and there's a role that, 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 that we play. A little bit of analogy is this, to change the analogy a little bit. It's like, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governor of California. I mean, the guy's got his, his body. You know, he's just got this Mr. Universe body. I suppose now it's kind of not quite that good. But, but uh, you know, these, you've seen these muscle builders who just like, you know, they got these giant chests. And it's like some muscle builder, you know, is kind of walking up there. He's got all this muscle, all this equipment, okay? He, he can lift about anything. And there's this little barbell down there. Maybe it's not that little. Maybe it's kind of heavy, but easily liftable by him. And it's like the guy saying, boy, you know, I'm just going to wait for my muscles to pick this barbell up. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to trust that my muscles will pick this barbell up three weeks later. I, I, you know, I, I just believe my muscles are able to pick this barbell up, you know? True, but you still have to bend over and pick the stupid thing up, you see? 
And this is exactly what believers are. We've, we've got the, the God of the universe walking. Man, you are, you are a walking, talking Holy Spirit steroid pill. I mean, you, you, you've, got, you've got spiritual biceps. You've got these huge spiritual thighs. You've got this incredible spiritual chest. You, know, you are just a spiritual muscle man. You, the creator himself is walking through you. And so you've, he, he's at work in you to, to do his good pleasure. And there it is right there. But we're saying, oh, God, just, just do it, just do it. And God's saying, bend over and pick it up. All right? You can do it. You couldn't do it on your own, but I'm your, to press an analogy way too far, I'm your spiritual steroid. And, man, you can pick that thing up, no problem. Every one of us who are not perfect, which means all of you but not me. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, it's so obviously not true that that's why it's funny. Unless we are perfectly conformed to Jesus Christ, there's stuff that needs to be chipped away. The job of the Christian life is to be chipping. We should always be chipping with the intentionality of an Olympic athlete. That's what that fear and trembling thing is about. It's not like you're petrified, but, but there's a race. You're, you're in training for the race. And so with intentionality, the goal of life is to be chipping away at, at stuff. What are you chipping at? How, what area of your life does God want you to be chipping away at right now? There's always an area to be working on. For some, it's their thought control. For some, it's, it's you know, a habit. For others, it's an attitude. Or for some, it's a memory. The stuff to work on. And know this, you're not on your own. The God of this universe is energizing you both to will, to want to get out of that, and he's empowering you in order to get out of that. Uh, let me say one more thing here. And then I'm going to segue and turn uh, the last part of this service over to Peggy. Uh, we have principles to live by in Scripture. And when, here's one principle, chisel. Always be chiseling. That's a principle. But we can never box God into a formula. We get magical when we get into formulas that we think don't have exceptions. God is always God, amen? And while he tells us how he ordinarily does stuff, we've, we have to reserve for him the right and believe that he can operate out of those kind of principles if he wants. Sometimes, usually we've got to chisel the David out of the rock. You know what? Sometimes God just pops the David out of a rock. You ever seen that happen? You know, it's just a supernatural kind of thing. I, most people, if they're, you know, decided that it's time for them to try to quit smoking, uh, they got to chisel. Man, they chisel, chisel, they go through all that nicotine withdrawal. I met one guy, though, who just, you know, was a three-pack-a-day guy for about 10 years, and boom, he just went to the altar, and he, he, he hated cigarettes after that. Now, see, praise God for that. That's, that. that's a supernatural thing. The balance is this. Those people who are chiseling away shouldn't look at that guy and go, oh, well, then now forget. He got the free ride. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop chiseling here because I want that deal. Now, you, you can't make a deal with God, all right? You just can't do that. Believe God to do more than you are able, uh, more than he, he, he ordinarily does. But our job is still to chip away. When you're sick, you got a broken leg, you go to the doctor, but also believe that God can heal, amen? Most of the time, we got to chip away at emotional scars in our life, and that's a, a lifelong project of bringing the truth out, to be chipping away. But sometimes it can happen that God just instantly heals some of those scars, delivers people from those emotional wounds. God is always God. This is what the Bible calls signs and wonders, where God does supernatural things and healing and deliverance and things of that sort. And the ba- we can never box God into the signs and wonders. Like, that's the only way he can operate. But we also can't box God into the chiseling, because he can also do the signs and wonders. Now, I, I've never in my life met anybody who is more um, passionate and singularly focused at seeing God glorify himself through signs and wonders, the miraculous supernatural dimension of ministry. I've never met anyone with as much passion for it and faith for it as our prayer pastor, Peggy Riley. 
Uh, she, she just, she, she just is, is uh, pressing in on this. Yeah. Amen. Uh, we we uh, brought her on uh, to to help out in our prayer ministry to get our prayer ministry together about two two and a half years ago. At the time, she said, "Where are you, Peggy? Where are you? Oh, there you are. Hi." Uh, um, at the time, you remember saying this? Um, well, you know, I, I, I should tell you up front that God uh, hardly ever has me stay in one place for more than two or three years, and it turns out that that's kind of the timing because here's what's happened. Um, while she was doing our, our ministry, she also had a, a ministry called Balm of Gilead, and she'll be explaining to you here shortly, which is just f- is strictly focused on the healing uh, and deliverance aspect of, of the ministry. Uh, God has recently just exploded that thing. It's just, it, it's some incredible stuff that she'll be telling you about. And so she has felt led to let go of her, her, her prayer ministry here to invest full time into that. And so what I asked her to do is to come and share her heart about this ministry. And then I would like us to send her off. This is her last week here. And so according to biblical principles, I want to lay hands on her, her and her team and, and send them off as a part of ourselves. So Peggy, will you come up here and share uh, about your, the balm of Gilead? Amen. Yeah. here for two and a half years. Um, I didn't even realize it was two and a half years when, until in the process of telling Pastor Greg and Janice that it was time for me to go. You know, one of the things you never want to do is you don't ever want to stay too long and you don't want to leave too soon. But I have decided, and I decided this a long time ago, I am so hungry to see a move of God, my whole appetite has changed. I expect God to do what He says what he allowed his son Jesus to do in Mark 16. He talks about, and these signs and wonders shall follow them. They'll be able to lay hands on the sick and they'll be made well. They'll be able to cast out demons. I want to see the lame get up and walk. I expect it. I expect to see sight return to the blind. And God is doing signs, miracles, and wonders on Sunday night. We meet at 6 o'clock at the Best Western Hotel behind, I want to say the Mall of America. Maplewood Mall, thank you, behind Maplewood Mall. And first of all, to be in a public place is a, is a wonderful thing because folks walking down the hall, they hear this praise and worship and they peep their head in and want to see what that is, so they come in. There's a woman walking down the hall a few weeks ago and one of our team led her to the Lord. There was a guy that was drunk in the bar and he came out of the bar and one of our team members prayed with him. It's a wonderful thing to see. The signs, the miracles, and the wonders. God, we've only been meeting for 11 weeks. God has tripled the finances. God has tripled the number of people that have come in. And we want to live Acts 2. We have revival going on right now every Sunday. One of the things I learned about revival is the indicators, some of the indicators. There's an extended time of praise and worship. There's an extended time of prayer. The signs, the miracles, and the wonders, and we're living it and we're seeing it. So while I'll say, see you later, and I do mean that, see you later, I know that it's time to do that full time. One of the reasons why I know it's time for me to do that full time People are calling me and asking me, how is this happening? How does revival happening? There's nothing about me or the team that is making revival happen. It's just that we're hungry, so our prayer time has changed. We press in. I pray sometimes three and four and five hours a day. I'll be able to do that even more so now. 
And um, fasting, we fast every Sunday night. Every Sunday night, we fast supper for the next Sunday, except now the Lord has told most of us to fast all day on Sunday. And so we know that the only way we can see a move of God is that we've got to be in the presence of God to understand the power of God. November 7th and 8th, we're having a healing service for healing for the generations. We're going to have workshops on how do you pray for healing for children, for teens, for young adults and seniors. Pastor Ephraim Smith is going to do the kickoff Friday night prayer uh, healing service. Then we're having the workshops on Saturday. Then I'm doing the Saturday night healing service. And it's going to be held at Redeeming Love. We would love for you to come and just see what God is doing. I'm not asking anyone to leave. One of the things I told Pastor Greg is amazing about him. He'll tell you if you feel led to go, go. You don't have to leave where you're going to church during the day to come to church at night. Amen. It's not a matter of that. As a matter of fact, the team is going to come up after the dance. And most of these individuals that are here today actually attend Woodland Hills. So it's not a matter of leaving. It is a matter of knowing that Jesus is coming again soon. If you've got anybody sick in your family, bring them tonight. If you've got a broken marriage, one of you come and we'll pray the two of you be there next time. Amen. God gave me the um, title of the ministry, The Balm of Gilead which is found in Jeremiah 8, 21 and 22. It says that my people are crushed, so I am crushed. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then there is no healing for my people? And it's not that God was saying, I can't heal. He's saying, where are the arms and the feet and the hands that are willing to be used that way? He gave me in my mind a logo for the ministry. And there's a woman on the team who's Linda Treg. She, she hears what I see. And she makes banners. And I shared this logo with her. And she actually made that for us. And so I want to say thank you. Melanie, come on up. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> Melanie March Page is a part of the original team of the Bomb of Gilead. Thank you. And... Um, the song is going to play. It's an actual healing song. And this is, begins out being a broken woman who ends up being healed by God. And after she ministers and dances, we're going to ask the team to come up. And then Pastor Greg is going to ask you to come up and lay hands on us. Be praying for us. Love you dearly and God bless you. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Know that God is now. Know that God is now. Don't try to fight the battle yourself, but stand still, stand still and look up. look up. God is going to show up. standing right by. We want to say that one more time for somebody who may be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Because joy is on the way. Weeping may endure for a night, but 
joy comes in the morning. Know that God is now. Show up. God is going to show up. He is standing right by. He is standing by. For those of you who may not know it, there's healing. There's healing for your sorrow. Woo. There's healing for your pain. from the rain.
sermon. <laughs> Praise God. I'd like to invite the uh, Balm of Gilead team to come up here, and could we all stand? I, I want to have a time where, we're, uh, just a, a short moment where we uh, pray for them and send them out. It's a very biblical thing uh, in Acts when the Holy Spirit would set apart somebody for a special ministry. Their body would gather on them and pray for them. Um, and so I'd like to ask others uh, in this auditorium who just feel so led right now to come up here and surround these folks, and, and we're going to pray for them. If you have children in the children's area, as we're praying, we, we, uh, they have asked us to please dismiss you to pick up your kids. Uh, but I'd like us just to spend uh, a few minutes here just praying for them. Could we have some others gather around them? And, and let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for these folks, God. The team that you've put together here uh, got around a vision that you've given, Sister Peggy. And God, we thank you for what has happened already uh, in this ministry, Lord God, for the lives that have been touched, for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, um, uh, we are greedy for more of it, Lord God, and uh, we want to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven, God. We pray, Lord God, that the power of your Spirit would be just so thick on them, Lord God. Every time they come together, we pray that like a Niagara Falls falling on a pebble, your Spirit would fall on them, Lord God. Lord God, and that you would display your glory and signs and wonders, Lord God. We pray, God, that the blind would receive sight, the deaf would receive hearing, the lame would walk, Lord God. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Let it happen in Jesus' name. Father, we pray a hedge of protection around them. Holy Spirit, be a mighty fortress around them that nothing evil, no strategy of the enemy could be successful in getting in on this team and getting in on this ministry, Lord God. But that you, sovereign God, would be glorified in all things, that all that is said in all all that is done in the relationships that are developed here would all be God glorifying to you, Lord God. Pour out your spirit upon them, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for Peggy, Lord God, give her the leadership she needs, the vision she needs. Let her mind be your mind, her eyes be your eyes, her arms your arms, Lord God. Lord God, keep on surrounding her with the people, Lord God, to fill out what needs to be done here in this ministry, Lord, and just give her the, the strategies and the, uh, the intentionalities of your spirit, Lord God. We, we just commission them 
we anoint them, we send them forth as part of ourselves, Lord God. And we, Lord God, we know that this is bigger than Woodland Hills, this is bigger than Balm of Gilead, uh, God, because you are bigger. And we pray you'd use them, Lord God, to uh, ignite fires around the Twin Cities, Lord God, that your church could become the vibrant, spirit-filled bride that you've called it to be, Lord God. Let it be done, Lord. Let it be done, Lord. In Jesus' name, we set them apart for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. The team will be up here. If you have any need whatsoever, uh, please come forward and the team will be praying for you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you come up here over in this corner over here, we'll be happy to explain to you what that's about and you can start your new life in Christ right now. Go forth and keep chiseling in Jesus' name. Amen.